1: members get early access to most videos and get to participate in monthly zoom hangouts with mike here's the biggest stories we talked about this week on the humanist report enjoy the show
0: well it seems as if the momentum that democrats had over the summer is going away momentum is now definitely shifting In the Republican Party's direction. This is according to a new poll conducted by the New York Times and Siena College between October 9th and 12th. And it shows that 49% of likely voters now lean Republican compared to 45% that lean Democrat. Women, as you can see, are split down the middle. And younger voters lean Democrat, although by not that much. So things are changing. Momentum, as I stated, was in Democrats' direction after the Supreme Court repealed Roe v. Wade. There was a lot of backlash to that. Lots of women registered to vote. And now the anger seems to be dying down. There was also a bump in momentum after Joe Biden announced that he was canceling $10,000 to $20,000 worth of student debt. And now that's also fading away. Now, first thing to keep in mind is that momentum... It's it's very dynamic. It's going to change. So between now and November, it can change again. Now, what's also important is that as the election nears, polls tend to tighten. So this isn't necessarily that out of the ordinary, but something is happening. Things are changing. And it's because the Democratic Party has not sufficiently gotten out the message. So, The New York Times explains, The biggest shift came from women who identified as independent voters. In September, they favored Democrats by 14 points. Now, independent women backed Republicans by 18 points, a striking swing given the polarization of the American electorate and how intensely Democrats have focused on that group and on the threat Republicans pose to abortion rights. The survey showed that the economy remained a far more potent political issue in 2022 than abortion. Now, if we held the election a week after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, I think that Democrats would have won easily. But like all political issues, the momentum, the anger, the emotions, they die down. And that's kind of what we're seeing happening here. Democrats, I think, have done a good job at elevating the issue of abortion. But the problem is that they focused on abortion and they haven't focused enough on other issues ideally the economy and that's where they're failing so i want to read what one voter uh, in this article was quoted saying because i think that she has a lot of insight that kind of a uh, should give Democrats the indication that they need to change course right away. Quote, I'm shifting more towards Republican because I feel like they're more geared towards business, said Robin Ackerman, a 37-year-old Democrat and mortgage loan officer who lives in Newcastle, Delaware, and is planning to vote Republican this fall. Ms. Ackerman said she disagreed 1,000% with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and to raise the national right to an abortion. But that doesn't really have a lot to do with my decision, she said, of her fall vote. I'm more worried about other things yeah so what this tells us is that voters have different levels of salience for issues if somebody cares about abortion they perhaps care more about a different issue and that issue is going to be what determines how they vote so for me for example just as an individual my number one issue is climate change my number two issue has historically been healthcare, but over the last year or so trans rights and lgbtq plus rights has a increased in its salience. And now it's more salient to me than healthcare. Abortion is also right up there as well. The difference is that what is your top two to three issues isn't going to be the same top two to three issues to every single voter. And the way that you run a successful election is you try to cast the widest net. And how you get most voters is with a really strong populist economic message, because economic issues, by and large, are going to be what brings people out to vote. And Bernie Sanders, believe it or not, while this poll was being conducted, wrote an op-ed about just that in The Guardian, where he argues that Democrats must continue to focus on abortion, of course, and highlight the extremism of the Republican Party. But he also made it very clear, quote, you can't win elections unless you have the support of the working class of this country, but you're not going to have that support unless you make it clear that you're prepared to take on powerful special interests and fight for the millions of Americans who are struggling economically, whether it is extending the $300 a month child tax credit that expired in December that slashed the child poverty rate by over 40% or increasing social security benefits or expanding Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and vision or making child care affordable, the Democrats must stand with the working class of this country and expose the Republicans for the phonies that they are. Now, Bernie Sanders here is correct. There's a number of things that the Democratic Party can brag about that they're not really highlighting. For example, Democrats increase the corporate tax rate but they're not bragging about that. They also got funding for climate change. It may not be what we wanted, but it's still something that I think they should be bragging about. Student debt cancellation, that's really important. But the problem is that Democrats tend to lean away from economic issues, and whenever Democrats end up, and this is a generalization, by the way, whenever Democrats end up talking about economic issues, rather than trying to craft a message they just run with whatever the right-wing talking points are and pretend to be Republican light. Now, Bernie Sanders, for that op-ed, actually got a lot of backlash. For example, he was criticized in an op-ed written by Kylie Chung of Jezebel, who I normally agree with, but in this article, she wrote, even if we lived in some alternate reality where abortion is separable from the economy, it's pretty sexist to suggest that the state ripping 50 years of bodily rights away from pregnant-capable people and reducing them to baby-making machines is itself too trivial to take center stage now renee bracy sherman echoed that same sentiment saying imagine not knowing that abortion is a healthcare issue that sits at the intersection of economic and racial justice our failing healthcare system capitalism and the needs of working families good lord bernard this is embarrassing read a fucking book on abortion for once now the thing is bernie sanders knows this but imagine explaining all of that in a 20 to 30 second ad it's just too complicated. So if you're going to make the issue of abortion your centerpiece, then you have to simplify the message, make it about freedom. This is about freedom. Should women have as much freedom as men? Should they be able to control their own bodies to the extent that men are able to? You can't get down to all the technicalities and talk about these systemic issues and how abortion is related to other issues, because that's going to be very confusing and complicated to voters. What Bernie Sanders is suggesting here is that Democrats craft an economic message that appeals to everyone. This doesn't mean that you stop talking about abortion. It just means that you also highlight other issues that are affecting the American people. Inflation is at a 40 year high. So you can't just cede that ground to Republicans because as it stands right now, Republicans are monopolizing discourse when it comes to inflation. So even if Democrats are rightfully attacking them for abortion, well, they're getting away with their extremism on the issue of abortion by choosing to just not talk about it. As More Perfect Union explains via Twitter, Republicans have spent $44 million on TV ads focused on inflation and the economy since Labor Day, per Lever News. Democrats have spent just $12 million, less than 7% of their total ad spending. That's just not good enough. So while Democrats, I think, are correct to hit Republicans for their extremism on abortion, you also have to point out the ways that they have failed when it comes to the economy, right? They refuse to raise taxes on corporations. They refuse to join Democrats in capping these price-gouging oil companies. You can actually hit them for these things and— Still talk about abortion. Believe it or not, you don't have to have a one dimensional message. But of course, you should emphasize the issues that is going to that are going to resonate the most with voters. Now, Stan Greenberg, uh, you saw his picture in that tweet from More Perfect Union. He broke it down into uh, the most simplified message that Democrats can have that would win over voters.
2: Let's watch. Democracy Corps recently did a large survey and found the economic argument that resonates most with voters. It's pretty straightforward. So let me kind of present it in the form of a 30-second ad. Corporate profits are high, but hardworking families aren't seeing an increase in our paychecks. I'm running for Congress, and if elected, the first thing I'm going to do is pass a bill that would deliver working people up to $600 a month to help with the rising cost of groceries, gas, and housing. And I want to pay for it by taxing big corporations whose greed is unacceptable. My Republican opponent is an extremist who takes contributions from oil and drug companies, and he doesn't get it. Let's work together to tackle the high cost of living. I'm Stan Greenberg, and I approve this message. Pretty simple, right? So let's deconstruct the elements of the ad that are most important here. So what we found in our polling is that expanding the child tax credit resonates almost more powerfully than anything else we tested uh, with working class voters under the age of 50. When voters understand that Republicans took the tax credit away, it is one of the most effective attacks that expanded child tax credit could deliver up to $600 a month in the pockets of working people. It's an economic promise that you can explain and show it how it makes a difference in their lives. And at the same time, you show how the Republicans are standing in the way. But here's the danger. When we tested arguments that tout democratic accomplishments, talking up the economy and the creation of good jobs, while avoiding discussion of the challenges of high cost of living, those messages provide the worst results. What we also found in our survey is that engaging at this point on the crime issue hurts Democrats more than it helps. We get a reduced vote margin after we join the debate on funding and defunding the police. This is not the time to, you know, elevate the crime issue. The good news is that Democrats hold or get to a four point lead when they can test the cost of living. Time is short, but we can still make gains if we focus Democrats on making populist economic messages that appeal to working people.
0: Yeah, it's not that complicated. So the salience of an issue is going to vary from person to person, even if somebody might hate that Republicans supported the repeal of Roe v Wade. Well, if they believe that Republicans are going to be better when it comes to the economy and lower inflation, for example, well, they're going to vote for Republicans because they just don't know any better. And the anger that they felt in June is now gone. And remember, voters are self-interested. They're selfish and they're thinking, what's going to benefit me the most? So if, for example, LGBTQ plus rights is your number one issue. Well, for another person, they might care about it a lot, right? The problem is that they care less about that than they do about issues that affect them economically, because even if they really care about LGBTQ plus people and they know someone who's LGBTQ plus, they're going to vote based on what they think is going to help their family first and foremost. So we've got to keep this in mind with voters and we can't superimpose our values and our levels of salience of issues on everyone else economic issues are very, very important. And for years, it's not just this election, but for years, Democrats have ceded ground to Republicans and they've allowed them to monopolize discourse and make it seem as if Republicans are better on the economy than Democrats when that's just factually incorrect. It's demonstrably untrue. But yet there are times that call for massive action and Democrats can point out how they've tried to take action. If you give us more senators, we're going to make sure that we codify that and make it permanent so your family no longer has to suffer. Like there are messages that they can have. And it doesn't just have to be based on one issue. But Democrats, they kind of went all in on abortion. And Republicans were able to, you know, sidestep that. So it hurt them for a little bit. But things have changed. And if you want to run a successful campaign, you've got to adapt. And that's what Democrats have to do. So I agree that abortion is a very important issue. And I don't necessarily doubt folks like Kylie Chung, who think that, you know, this shouldn't be the main focus. But the point is that voters are complicated and they care about a lot of things and ultimately they care about what's going to affect them the most you can't have this convoluted message about the way that abortion is tied to the economy and whatnot that's not going to resonate with voters realistically speaking i wish that it did but people just aren't that savvy so instead you simplify the message and you cast the widest net that's what democrats have to do otherwise republicans will take control of both chambers of Congress. And that's not going to be good for any of us. So the best thing that Democrats can do is get out of their bubble, talk to real voters and craft messages based on what their needs are and what they view as the most salient issue, because otherwise, you know, you're not you're not going to win elections. That doesn't mean that these issues can't be prioritized or should be put on the back burner. Of course, they shouldn't be. But The point that Bernie Sanders and people like myself are making is that you have to focus on multiple issues, not just one issue. Otherwise, you will lose. And to be clear, I don't necessarily think that abortion is hurting Democrats. I think that it's helping them to the contrary. It's just that Republicans have been able to be more persuasive when it comes to issues like the economy, and Democrats have not realized that yet. And they haven't gotten that signal and they haven't changed course, but they've got to emphasize the economy and they can't do it from a right wing perspective, come up with a populist economic message and you still have a chance, but I just, I don't know if it's too late for them at this point in time. So we'll just have to wait and see.
3: Uh, You cannot accuse me of insurrection. I was a victim of the January 6th riot, just as much as any other member of Congress. That was the third day I had on the job. I had nothing to do with what happened there that day. And I will not have you accuse me of that. That is wrong of you to do. You're lying about me and you will not defame my character in that manner. Did
4: Joe Biden win the election, Congresswoman Green?
3: Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Absolutely.
4: Markets. But you pushed a big lie that said he did not win the election. There was and election fraud. And you drove proven. those people to the Capitol fraud on January there was 6th fraud with in the your lie.
3: Election. We're going to move on. Josh Rowe, it's election your turn fraud. to ask and my my has the question to Marjorie Taylor Greene. We have okay. FOIA evidence of proof of election fraud that came out.
2: Excuse me. We're ready to move on to the next okay, question for he's you. Okay, but not
3: going to accuse me of a crime. Would you like your question? Would you one. like your question? Yes, ma'am. Thank I you. would.
0: Thank you. You just watched Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene throw a temper tantrum on stage when her Democratic opponent had the audacity to suggest that she played a role in the January 6th insurrection. She's claiming now that like all of her colleagues in Congress, she was also a victim. Now, this is... History revisionism. And the thing about trying to be a history revisionist is that you have to try to revision history at a time where we can't remember it. So that way you have some room to obfuscate. But this just happened a couple of years ago, Marjorie. So we could just look back at the tapes, which we will do by the way, and see that you're lying. And the biggest tell there was when she said, or wouldn't say rather, that Joe Biden won the election. And I love the way that she presented um so-called evidence that exists of fraud she says that her husband who's divorcing her by the way has the proof okay well why didn't he provide us with the proof so you just you're sitting on this information the same is true with individuals like kari lake where they say that they have evidence but they won't present it to us and whenever you see the evidence from these individuals who deny the 2020 election it's usually nonsensical no basis for it now i have just got to ask this question for all of these insurrectionists who are in Congress, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're in the state of Georgia. You claim, and Trump claims, that this state was stolen from him. But why is it that Democrats, when they decided to rig this election supposedly against Joe Biden, forgot to rig it against you? They rigged it against Trump, but they let you win? Wouldn't they also try to rig it against you as well if they're already going out of their way to break the law? It just, it makes no sense. And that's because she's lying and she's lying about her role in the insurrection as well she absolutely helped trump incite that insurrection now chuds of TikTok shared a mashup of her comments from 2020 with her comments during that debate i think that this was actually a compilation that was put together by marcus flower's team either way this proves that she is a liar.
3: If we flood the Capitol building, go inside. Uh, You cannot accuse me of insurrection. The people who breached the Capitol on January 6th are being abused. I was a victim of the January 6th riot just as much as any other member of Congress. Tomorrow on January 6th, I'm very excited. This is our 1776 moment. That was the third day I had on the job. I had nothing to do with what happened there that day, and I will not have you accuse me of that. Just finished with our meetings here at the White House this afternoon. We had, got a, had a great planning session, January 6th, objection. That is wrong of you to do. You're lying about me, and you will not defame my character in that manner. Call your house reps call your senators from your states, we've got to make sure they're on board and we already have a lot of people engaged.
4: Did Joe Biden win the election, Congresswoman Green?
3: Joe Biden is the president of the United States Marcus. Absolutely president trump won by a landslide
4: but you pushed a big lie that said he did not win the election
3: we aren't going to let this election be stolen by joe biden and the democrats
4: there was and election you fraud drove those prison. people to there the capitol on january 6th with your life
3: you can't allow it to just transfer we power the peacefully or being abused this is our 1776 moment
0: So that ad is absolutely brutal because it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was lying at that debate it's just that republican voters don't seem to care about lies or the truth so it's really not going to matter it's not like they're going to see oh okay she wasn't really being honest with us and then think all right well i guess i'm not going to vote for her unfortunately we're in a post-truth era where people don't necessarily vote for candidates based on who they want to get elected because of the policies that they're espousing. It's just, oh, your team is my team team, red. OK, well, I'm going to vote for you no matter what, even if you've proven time and again that you're a liar. And if you're lying about this, then you're probably lying about other things. It's uh, it's really sad because the standards are so low. And, you know, in normal political times, she would be thoroughly embarrassed because she was just debunked. But instead, she took to Instagram to declare herself the winner of the debate after she made a fool of herself but i mean that's modern american politics for you where there's no admissions of guilt or being caught in a lie you just kind of move past it and declare yourself the winner the winner and that's that's it and for her to declare herself the winner i'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say that she's probably not the most impartial judge for that now you know she has claimed consistently that the 2020 election was rigged against trump but for some reason conspicuously not against her, although she is the victim of rigging because apparently this debate is rigged, and you'll see that as she sparred with the uh, moderator of this debate and
5: accused him of being a Democrat activist.
3: What Can you tell me, give me an example?
5: No, you do this every time we have a debate where you ask, I ask a, a question that's obvious and you're like, what do you mean? You were kicked off of your committees for saying things were controversial. You've apologized for controversial statements, right? Those types of things. What is your process for fact checking and vetting the things that you say in public?
3: I the the things I say in public are the truth, and that's why they're so offensive to Democrat activists in the media just like you. And you're asking me a blanket question with no example. I stand by the things that I say.
0: Classy. So in other words, she has no process for fact checking herself. And that's because why would you need one when you just lie compulsively about everything? If you don't like the way that you're portrayed, well, despite what you said, just keep lying through it this is the modern Republican Party strategy and you'll be shocked to know I'm sure that the lies did not stop there so in this next clip next clip she's gonna basically go on a lie speed run where she tells lie after lie after lie about the Democratic Party each being more preposterous uh, than the other. Take a look.
3: If you're a father and you are a representative of the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party is the party of child abuse. It's the party that represents grooming children and sexualizing them in school, teaching anti-white racism in the terms of CRT education and genital mutilation of kids, kids that can't even get a driver's license, can't get a tattoo and cannot vote. How do you stand there and represent the Democrat Party as a father? And do you believe in genital mutil- mutilation of children? Under- under the age of 18 and and these puberty blockers that have severe health consequences time for your because question. I have re- I've introduced a bill to ban it and make it a felony to genital it to mutilate children's genitals. Do you stand by that?
0: Now, we'll just pause it right there and get to his response in a moment, because I think that what he said in response to that was good, because it's hard to respond when so many lies Are being blasted at you at once so how do you actually effectively respond i think that he had a great response but i just got to ask her about this bill that she claims bans genital mutilation of children does it also include circumcision because as of 2010 more than 50 percent of male infants are circumcised without their consent this is an irreversible procedure so you think that if she's concerned with genital mutilation that would extend to circumcision but it doesn't for some reason which tells you that this is just about hey she's targeting trans people because they are a social pariah currently and she's fighting to uh demonize them in order to galvanize her base that's exactly what this is about now she goes on to cite all of the uh, different problems with the democratic party grooming sexualization i wonder if she's going to say anything about child marriages that are legal in a number of states going to condemn that marjorie green no because she's just blasting everyone with a bunch of talking points from the gop a lot of uh wedge issues propagandistic issues such as crt and whatnot that she's using to galvanize voters now You can't possibly respond to and debunk every single claim that she's making, but the way that Marcus Flowers handled that, I think, was really good.
4: Boy, that that was a lot. And God bless you, Marjorie Taylor Greene. If you truly believe that, that I'm praying for you. You know, I believe in this country. I believe in our democracy. And I believe in standing up for human rights. People come up to me every day and tell me how they feel attacked by you. And yes, I'm talking about children, and our LGBTQ plus community. Every day, Congresswoman Green. Seniors, Latinos, Blacks, men and women, every day. This is how she treats the people of Northwest Georgia and the people, people of America. Attacks, constantly attacking. That's not representative, Green. You represent them.
0: That I think is a really solid response. Um, you can't possibly address each and every single claim This is why Republicans are so effective at debates, in my opinion. It's because they don't actually have any facts on their side. They just lie. But when you kind of gish gallop and you throw out a bunch of lies, you make it so your opponent can't possibly address all of those claims. But what he did was simply say, look, these are your constituents. She's demonized essentially every single marginalized group in the country. Jewish people, trans people, LGBTQ plus people. And those are her constituents as well, like it or not. She may not want to represent them, but she does. She has constituents who are trans. She has constituents who are Jewish. She represents them. So if you don't actually want to represent your constituents, you shouldn't be a member of Congress. But, you know, this isn't about representation to her. This is about self aggrandizement and trying to shift the country to the uh, far right because that's what she wants to do. So I don't have any more clips for you. I just wanted to show you what happens when you see extremists debate. You think that individuals like Marjorie Taylor Greene, because they're so stupid and bombastic, they wouldn't be able to handle themselves appropriately in a debate. And even though she made a fool of herself, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Because when you are lying, you are going to have a lot easier of a time debating your opponent. Marcus Flowers, he is restricted by what is and isn't true. So he can't just make a claim if he doesn't believe it or if he knows that it's not true. Whereas with Marjorie Taylor Greene, if she doesn't like what he says, she can just say no, even if she knows that she's lying. Because for Republican Party voters, being a liar isn't disqualifying anymore. Just simply being a member of their team is enough for them. And she's not the only candidate where this is demonstrated. Herschel Walker is another example. But that's Marjorie Taylor Greene's debate with Marcus Flowers. I'm honestly a little bit shocked that she decided to debate him in the first place, seeing that this is a pretty solidly Republican-leaning district. Either way, she did it, and she made a fool of herself. But it's not going to harm her at all.
6: One thing I have not done, I've never pretended to be a police officer. (laughs) And... And and I've never I've never threatened a shootout with the police. Well, and now I have to respond to we are, that. We are
7: we are no, moving no, no, on, no. gentlemen. I have to
6: respond to that. And you know what? So funny, I am with, with many police officers, <laughs> and at the same time. Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, no, 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 Mr. Walker, no, no, no. Mr. Walker excuse me, truth, Mr. Walker, please, out of respect, the truth, I, I, is I is need here. to let you know, Mr. Yes. Walker,
8: you are very well yes. aware of the rules tonight, Yes. and you have a prop. Yes. That is not allowed, sir. Yes. I ask you to put that prop away. Well,
6: it's not a prop. It, it, this is real. And he said, but, I have a problem. I never want the law enforcement. It is considered a man.
8: prop, Mr. Walker, yes. excuse me, sir. Yes. You're very well aware of the rules. Aren't you? Well,
6: Aren't he, you he brought up the truth. We're, Let's talk about
0: the truth. Th-
8: thank you for putting that yes. prop away.
0: He is completely out of control odds are you've already seen that viral clip from the debate by now between Raphael warnock and herschel walker specifically when he flashed his honorary sheriff badge on camera and then was subsequently scolded by the debate moderator because you're not allowed to bring props and you agree to the conditions of the debate before you get on that stage so he insisted right that that was a real badge and it is a real badge to be fair now i initially thought that it was one of those badges from the cop play sets that you can get from the 99 cent store but actually it's a real honorary sheriff badge still doesn't have any power but i mean it's real in the sense that it's a physical object but does it confer any real authority onto herschel walker as he's implied multiple times no It does not. And as the New York Times explains, the badge was given to him in recognition of community service work he had done with the Cobb County Sheriff's Department, according to his campaign spokesman, Will Kiley. Quote, Georgia sheriffs were seriously handing out those badges like candy in a candy dish. J. Tom Morgan, a former district attorney in DeKalb County, Georgia, who was elected as a Democrat, said in an interview on Saturday, that badge gives you no law enforcement authority. He doesn't have the power to write a traffic ticket. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of common sense. To be fair, the individual who gave him the badge claims that he did work with the police department there, uh, doing leadership training and whatnot with them, but it doesn't mean that the honorary sheriff badge that you have gives you any real authority, and the problem with Herschel Walker is that for a while now, he's been heavily suggesting, if not outright claiming, That he's a cop. He heavily suggested that he was an FBI agent before. He claimed that he had FBI clearance. It's just really weird. And he refuses to admit that it's just an honorary badge. Now he was asked about this in an NBC news interview that was just released today, which is why we're talking about this. And his response here is um hilariously juvenile, but totally predictable. Let's watch.
5: Let's talk about that moment at the debate where you flashed the badge. I don't yes. know if you have the badge with you, but a lot of people are wondering, what was that badge? Do you have arresting That is arresting a legit authority? badge. What because, is
6: it? Uh, that's a badge that I was given by a police officer, and I do have the badge. You have it. I, I carry it with me all the time. It's not. It's a real badge. It's not a fake badge. It is a real badge.
9: Who gave you the badge? Uh,
6: this badge is from, uh, this badge, Now I have badges all over the, all over Georgia, even from Chatham County. I have, from, wait, wait, I have from Chatham County, which is the county, which is the county, so uh, which it. is the county from, uh, you know, I have it upside down, make sure it's right, which is the county from where Senator Warnock is from. I have an honorary sheriff badge from that county. Which so where's give me this the right. one from? This is from my hometown. This is from Johnson County, from the sheriff of oh, Johnson County, which is a legit badge. Everyone can make fun, but this badge, give me the right, If later hey, let me finish, if anything happened in this county, I have the right to work with the police and get things done.
0: Correct. You have the right to work with police, but not because of the badge, because, again, the badge confers no real authority on you. Everyone technically has the right to work with police. That badge that he has that he says that he carries around with him all the time, which is hilariously juvenile, by the way that has as much authority as one of those junior police officer stickers has that we get when we're children in elementary schools when police officers come to talk to us or when they hand them out at parades literally those stickers have as much authority as herschel walker's honorary sheriff badge but yet he's claiming that it gives him some sort of special authority to work with the police in a way that other people can't again we can recognize that you were recognized by the police department because you spoke with them and whatnot. You're a celebrity. They love those. But it doesn't mean you're a police officer, Herschel, and he wants us to think desperately so that he has some authority. So that's why he carries it around with him all the time. It's comparable to you carrying around a certificate of noteworthiness of something that you did. It's so bizarre and weird. It's like he's trying to get clout from this and he's so desperate that he wants to be viewed as an authority figure that he carries around this honorary badge everywhere with him. That's so embarrassing. Take it home, put it in a plaque, leave it there. You don't have any special authority. Imagine thinking that only you have the authority to work with police because of this honorary badge, whereas witnesses who view a crime scene rather than telling police what they saw they have to say well i wish i could work with you but unfortunately i don't have an honorary sheriff badge so i guess i'm going to have to be deputized in order to share my account of the story like it's so bizarre it's so childish but yet this man wants to be a u.s senator and he may very well be a u.s senator but he's lying he's lying and he wants you to think that that honorary badge gives him authority again you have no fucking authority because of the honorary badge Herschel Walker put it away. Now, speaking of Herschel Walker's lies, he finally admitted to one part of the abortion story, but he's still not telling us the whole truth when we know he's lying.
6: This is still a lie because she's the mother of my child. So you're going to see me in a check or somebody giving a check. So that, that I'm saying it's a lie.
9: Do you I know what
8: see? this
10: $700 check is? I have is no for?
6: idea what that can be for.
8: Is that your signature on the oh, check, though?
6: Let me see. It could be. It doesn't matter whether it's my signature or not. Yes, that's my check.
0: So he admits that he wrote the check. He confirms that that's definitely his signature. But, you know, he just wrote the check for something else. Definitely not for an abortion. I'm sure that the man who carries around an honorary sheriff badge who heavily implies that he's a member of law enforcement is being completely open and honest here when it comes to this story. I just, I just wish that... We were in a state in american politics where he would propose policy solutions and i could debunk his solutions and claim that studies show that x policy and y policy is better than what he's providing us with but in 2022 america that's just not the reality it's basically a race to the bottom where the republican politicians who get the most notoriety they do so for saying really stupid things, flashing around honorary sheriff badges on television and going viral because of that, not because they had some impassioned speech where they talked about, you know, solving the issues in their state. No, it's all just running for uh, for office as, like, some sort of promotion project which his own son even admitted that that's why he's running for office and it's just so sad like the state of american politics is deeply sad and depressing but that doesn't mean that i'm not going to try to extract whatever joy and entertainment value as i can out of it because if the country's going to go down you know i feel like we're circling the drain we're a dying empire we at least owe it to ourselves to make fun of these dipshits are taking over. And I hope that he doesn't take over. I hope that Raphael Warnock wins because he is infinitely more qualified and intelligent than Herschel Walker. But again, you know, I've talked about this with the Marjorie Taylor Greene debate. Republican Party voters, they don't care about whether or not a politician lies. They don't even care about the policies anymore. It's just, are you on red team? Okay, well, you're on red team. I'm on red team. You have my vote no matter what. And that's basically what people base their votes on. Unfortunately, I wish that wasn't the circumstance, but it's the truth. Well, 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 it turns out Candace Owens had a very good reason to defend Kanye West even after he said something that was indefensible. Kanye West, as we learned today, is buying parlor. The New York Times explains, the service's parent company, Parliament Technology, said on Monday that Mr. West, who now goes by Ye, will help Parler continue the fight against censorship, cancel culture, and authoritarianism. The announcement, a little over a week after Twitter and Instagram restricted Ye's accounts in response to anti-Semitic remarks that he posted, did not disclose financial details. In a world where conservative opinions are considered to be controversial, we have to make sure we have the right to freely express ourselves, Ye said in a statement, released released by Parliament. Okay, interesting. It makes sense. He was banned from Twitter and Instagram for saying something that was blatantly anti-Semitic, so of course he's rich enough to buy his own social media platform where he can guarantee that he won't be banned. So where does Candace Owens come in? Well, I'm sure that you've heard by now, but the CEO of Parlors owned by George Farmer, who happens to be the husband of Candace Owens. Now, Parler is also a platform that is dying. As the New York Times explains, Data.ai, which monitors app store activity, estimated that Parler downloads across Apple's iOS platform and Google Play dropped to 21,000 in the third quarter of the year from 58,000 in the first quarter. Twitter, by comparison, had 4.5 million downloads in the third quarter, down from 5.2 million. Data.ai estimated that Parler had 706,000 monthly average users in the middle of the year, compared with an estimated 2.8 million iPhone users on Truth Social. So hear me out for a second. If you convince Kanye West, as his friend, that what he's saying isn't necessarily anti-Semitic, maybe it just doesn't make sense, perhaps he wasn't as eloquent in explaining his thoughts, and you instruct him to uh, realize that this is censorship and perhaps he can do something about it with the vast amount of wealth that he has. Well. Now, you kind of understand why someone like Candace Owens would defend Kanye West, even when people like her own boss, Ben Shapiro, denounced what he said as anti-Semitism, because she absolutely benefits from Kanye West buying her husband's company. And her husband on Fox Business also defended Kanye West because he doesn't want to make it seem as if Kanye West said anything bad. Really, this is about free speech. And, you know, it's very, very good that Kanye West takes matters into his own hands, takes free speech into his own hands and purchases his dying company. Take a look at what he had to say on Fox Business.
8: But I wonder what you think about what Kanye West was tweeting about last week. Of course, it unnerved many people when he started talking about the Jewish community. Some say it was anti-Semitic. What are your thoughts?
5: Look, I think, uh, you know, he actually said yesterday in his uh, podcast interview um, from Miami uh, the drinks champ one that uh, that that was a mistake and um, I think that that's important to highlight uh, the 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 tweet that he put out last week as far as I could understand it was an incorrect reference to Def Con um, obviously worded very badly and 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 I think that that was as he said yesterday a mistake he he's obviously willing to have a conversations that Plenty of people want to have, and and I think he's trying to engage in, in the free speech environment. Um, specific comments about his personal opinions, I obviously can't comment because I'm not him. Uh, but I would like to say that he's now in a place where he's fallen victim to the cancellation narrative. Um, whether or not what he said offended some people, of course, is up for conversation. But... In, in all worlds, the only cure for for wrong ideas is is more ideas. It's it's more speech, not less speech. Right. And so censorship in any format is never a good thing. And this is what we and he agree on. Um, and we have been very excited to work with him on putting this deal together.
0: Listen, some people might claim that Kanye West made anti-Semitic remarks. But really, I'm just happy that he's engaging in the marketplace of ideas. And you can't engage in the marketplace of ideas if you're being censored by big tech. So in order to avoid being censored by big tech, maybe you purchase my dying website and then you never have to worry about this again. Very clever, very insidious. Seems like they may be taking advantage of Kanye West here. I can't prove that. Maybe this is all a coincidence. But I mean, the relationship between Kanye West and Candace Owens has always been a little bit bizarre. He very clearly looks up to her. She's a very influential right wing propagandist. And now it's benefiting. It's paying off, literally, for Candace Owens to have this relationship with Kanye West, aside from the clout aspect. But Farmer mentioned uh, the Drink Champs podcast that Kanye West was on, and he made it seem as if Kanye West atoned for the anti-Semitic things that he said. Ask yourself this question. After the host of that podcast apologized for airing the interview with Kanye West, Kanye West then said, what we're about to see. Does it really sound like he's apologetic about his anti-Semitic remarks?
10: I watched the George Floyd documentary that Candace Owens put up. One of the things that his two roommates said was, they want a tall guy like me. They want a tall guy like me. And the day when he died, he said a prayer for, you know, eight minutes. Mm -hmm. He said a prayer for eight minutes. They hit him with the fentanyl. If you look, the the guy's knee wasn't even on his neck like that.
7: All right. I want to be careful with this subject because... Wait a
10: second, but tell me, Mm -hmm. could you even really run this interview? Because Mav didn't run my interview. Right. You got. what I'm saying? They blocked me out. The Jewish media blocked me out.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that he's deeply apologetic about his anti-Semitic tweet. Deeply, deeply saddened by that. Now notice how he cited a propaganda film by Candace Owens in that same video. And now Kanye West is supposedly going to have dinner with Donald Trump, where he'll convince Trump to join a Parlor, I guess. Ask yourself this question, Kanye. Why would Trump join Parlor, a dying social media platform when he has his own that's currently doing pretty well? Like, you know, Truth Social wasn't doing great at first, but the numbers have increased now that Trump has been using the platform more frequently. Why would he join a competing platform when he has his own? Makes no sense, right? is dying. If less people use it, everyone has a disincentive from using that app. Why would they use that? Because of you? It just it feels like Candace Owens is exploiting Kanye West. Now, having said that, though, I'm not going to infantilize Kanye West and strip him of agency. Is he mentally ill? Yes, and that's sad. However, this is a grown man with lots and lots of money. So he gets to choose. Who he associates with and he's associating associating with someone who's just a grifter like when trump was running for president candace owens was anti-trump so she's just saying what she needs to to make money and further her own career so it's not necessarily that absurd and unrealistic to think that she may be using kanye west to get him to purchase her husband's dying company because why would you stay with the ship and go down with it when you can make a little bit of cash off of it now look Who knows? We don't have the details. So this may just be conjecture by me. Maybe he's buying it for like twenty dollars. Kanye West has been entrenched in right wing circles now for years. So they got him to believe that he was censored, even though if anyone posted what he posted, we know that that would get deleted immediately. Right. So in order to, I guess, engage in the marketplace of ideas, you have to own your own social media website. It just it's all very stupid, but I, I actually don't care that much. If Kanye West wants to spend his money on a dying social media website, have at it. It's not going to stop people from using Truth Social. They're not going to switch over to Parlor because of Kanye West. I mean, what is the overlap of Kanye West fans who enjoy his music and conservatives who would jump ship over to Parlor and abandon Trump's Truth Social? It just doesn't seem like a very large demographic, right? I'm sure that the application will have like a bigger a bump because of Kanye West, but overall, I don't think that he's going to save it. Like, do conservatives actually value what Kanye West says because they appreciate his art and his music? No, they're they're just they're cheering him on because he's saying the propagandistic things that was peddled to him by right wing propagandists like Candace Owens, who are constantly in his ear. So they're using him as a tool. They don't actually care about what he has to say. They don't respect him, but yet he's happy to be their useful idiot. He's a grown man, so if he wants to waste his money on this, have at it.
9: Mr. Vance, Congressman Ryan has called you Donald Trump's ass kisser. The implication being you will pay any price for the endorsement and support of the former president who publicly insulted you in Youngstown.
0: That was the start to a real question asked by one of the moderators at the last debate between Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, which kind of goes to show you that the ass kisser moment from the last debate was the most memorable moment from the debate, if people are still talking about it, which is absolutely humiliating for J.D. Vance. Now, we're going to watch the moderator finish the question, and J.D. Vance is going to try to flip this around on Tim Ryan and make it seem as if he's the ass kisser. But ultimately i don't think it's going to go well but first let's see how he responds
9: to prove the congressman wrong and to show Ohio voters that you are your own man i would like you to identify one issue that mr trump is wrong about and therefore deserving of public criticism
10: well look i disagree with the president on a number of things he's a friend of mine of course and i'm proud to have his endorsement but look the thing that that, that that was wrong about the Trump administration is they put a lot of people in the administration, a lot of bad personnel folks who actually advocated limitless, nonstop wars that would mean a lot of folks from Mahoning Valley and a lot of folks from where I grew up would have to go off and fight those wars. A guy like John Bolton, for example, should have never been national security advisor in the Trump administration. But let me address Tim Ryan's point and, and, and your question there. Donald Trump told a joke. He told a joke at a rally based on a false New York Times story, and Tim Ryan has decided to run his entire campaign on it. Now look, Tim Ryan is publicly out there on national television saying, I love Nancy Pelosi. Uh, a few, what was it, a few months ago, he went before a national audience and said that he has to suck up and kiss up to Chuck Schumer. The guy who's subservient to the national party is Tim Ryan who's been begging for these guys to come into this race and save him from the campaign that he's been running. So look, it's ridiculous for him to accuse me of being anything because he has utterly failed to be independent to represent this valley and he'll be utterly he will utterly fail to represent the people of Ohio if he's elected to the United States Senate.
9: So just so I get this straight <clears throat> when the former president said J.D. is kissing my ass because he wants my support. You took that as a joke?
10: I I, I know the president very well, and absolutely, he was joking about a New York Times story. That's all he was doing. I didn't take offense to it. I talked to the president before it. I talked to the president afterwards. Everybody there took it as a joke. This guy goes on national TV and says, I love Nancy Pelosi. and has the audacity of accusing me of kissing anyone's rear end. It's pretty rich.
0: I love how the moderator repeated the ass kisser comment. It's just... L after L for JD Vance. Now his answer about what he disagrees with Trump on kind of proves Tim Ryan's point because he said John Bolton, warmongers those types of individuals should not have been within Trump's administration. But that's such a safe answer. If you're gonna you know answer the question, actually be bold and say I disagree with Trump on policy X or Y. But what you're doing is you are criticizing Trump for putting people in his administration that he's already attacked who are currently attacking Donald Trump. So it kind of proves that you have no political courage whatsoever. But because he can't prove that he has political courage because he doesn't, he tried to make it seem as if Tim Ryan is similarly weak when it comes to Democratic Party leadership. He claimed that he loves Nancy Pelosi and he also said that he has to suck up to Chuck Schumer. To be fair, I'll play you the clip of Tim Ryan saying just that.
11: Two real quick stories because Senator Schumer's here and I want to make sure he's my future boss. So I got to suck up a little bit here.
0: (laughs) Embarrassing? Yes, but not the same thing as what J.D. Vance did with Donald Trump. If, for example, Tim Ryan previously hated chuck schumer and then pretended to like chuck schumer just to get ahead and then have chuck schumer insult him only for tim ryan to continue to kiss chuck schumer's ass then that would be comparable to the jd Vance Trump situation but that's not actually the case with tim ryan and chuck schumer it's just not similar and to his credit he has taken on democratic party leadership in a profound way i am not the biggest tim ryan fan in fact i supported his opponent morgan harper in the primaries but tim ryan ran against nancy pelosi to be the speaker so that's perhaps the biggest way that you can challenge leadership so for all the critiques that i have of tim ryan saying that he kowtows to leadership is not one that i would lob at him now we're gonna see how tim ryan answers the same question because the moderator of course had to both sides of the question to appear fair to jd vance and usually lightning doesn't strike twice but tim ryan is going to trot out the same ass kisser argument but somehow he's going to make it even more effective than last time and he's going to recapture the magic of that last debate take a look
9: i would like you to point to an issue that speaker pelosi has totally bungled and therefore deserves public repudiation well
11: let me let me just uh, first say that this is obviously a clip that jd is running to try to misrepresent people i ran against nancy pelosi jd for leadership and you have to have the courage to take on your own leaders. These leaders in D.C., they will they will eat you up like a chew toy, right? I mean, you were calling Trump America's Hitler. Then you kissed his ass. That's true. It is true. And then you kissed his ass, and then he endorsed you. And you said he's the greatest president of all time. Mitch McConnell gave you $40 million to prop up your campaign. Peter Thiel gave you $15 million. That's $55 million, JD. What do you think they want for that? They want your loyalty. And you proved that you'll kiss their ass too. And look, it's nothing personal. I'm just telling you, like, I've been in this business. It's tough business. If you think you're going to help Ohio, you're not. If you can't even stand up for yourself, how are you going to stand up for the people of the state? How are you going to take on the corporate interests? All the money you took... Or from the corporations who sent all our jobs overseas. Peter Thiel, 15 million bucks, buddy, what, what Co- do you Co- think Co- he wants?
0: That was absolutely devastating for J.D. Vance. Now, first, I'll bring up how Tim Bryan noted that he's not an ass kisser like J.D. Vance because he ran against Nancy Pelosi in the House. That's kind of a devastating point, is it not? So you can't just flip it and do a no you as a rebuttal because Tim Ryan has demonstrated that he does have the courage to stand up to Democratic Party leadership. I may disagree with him on a lot of things, but saying that he lacks political courage is not an attack that I would lob at Tim Ryan. So it's just inaccurate to say that, and it's not a very good defense of yourself. Oh, well, yeah, I'm a coward, but so are you. Doesn't really work in this instance when you're running against someone who actually challenged Democratic Party leadership. As much as I disagree with Tim Ryan, I wish that left members of Congress would challenge leadership in the way that Tim Ryan did, right? So moving on, Tim Ryan, I I think, sharpened the knife a little bit. He brought up how J.D. Vance once called Trump an ass kisser, or excuse me, once called Trump America's Hitler, and then began to kiss his ass. That's such a brutal point, and it shows what a fraud J.D. Vance is. And I actually transcribed this next paragraph because it's so devastating. And I wish that more Democrats would make the same point that Tim Ryan is making here. He said, if you can't even stand up for yourself, how are you going to stand up for the people in this state? How are you going to take on corporate interests? All the money you took are from the corporations who sent all our jobs overseas. Peter Thiel, 15 million bucks. What do you think he wants? That right there is one of the most powerful attacks that you can lob at a Republican because it's populist. You're pointing out money in politics and the way that that corrupts politicians, and that is going to land with every single person who's watching. It's devastating. And if every single Democrat did this, said what Tim Ryan is saying, I think they would be much more successful. Because Democrats, we've been talking about this lately, they've been kind of running away from the economic argument this election cycle overall and been focusing more on abortion, which I think isn't a bad strategy per se. But Republicans are kind of weaseling out of their extremism on abortion because they're sidestepping that and they're trying to appeal to people when it comes to the economy. Tim Ryan isn't taking up this right wing line when it comes to the economy. He's actually saying, you did this you are taking money from corporations who shipped american jobs overseas and now you're taking money from billionaires what do you think they're going to want from you in return loyalty they're going to call in favors this is a devastating attack and tim ryan here he is doing what every democrat should be doing he's setting a new blueprint for democrats and i hope that they follow it now moving on the next clip is going to feature tim ryan Criticizing JD Vance for bringing up the great replacement theory. And as you're going to see, JD Vance is going to come up with a different version of the how can I be racist? I have black friends argument. And I'll tell you what he actually said when we come back, because he's going to claim that no, he's not pushing this conspiracy theory about Great Replacement? We'll see that that's a lie, but let's watch first.
11: We have a, so the, we have a,
10: hold on JD, stop No, this is, me. this is disgusting. I, I'd this like to get, to get here's more- exactly what happens when the media and people like Tim Ryan accuse me of engaging the Great, great Replacement Theory. I'll tell you, were you exactly, peddling it. I'll you tell you exactly what it. happens, Tim. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children get attacked by scumbags online and in person because you are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies of engaging in racism, we are sick of it. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can believe in the the country without being a racist. And this just shows how desperate this guy is for political power. I know you've been in office for 20 years, Tim, and I know it's a sweet gig, but you're so desperate not to have a real job that you'll slander me and slander my family. It's disgraceful. Thank you, Mr. Vance. Hold
11: on, Derek. Real quick, I think got to get one more a nerve. question in. I think I struck a nerve with this guy. You absolutely he's struck a nerve. It's sh- he's Normal people,
10: Tim Ryan. JD, when you insult their
11: families, you strike a nerve I didn't, with I didn't normal talk people. About, I would never talk about your family, J.D. I wasn't raised that way. I would never talk about your family. So right. don't try to spin this because you don't want to talk about the fact that you're with the extremists, and that belief, which is grounded, going back decades, led to some... Crazy dude, getting a gun, and going to a black and grocery store. it's disgusting, store. and I've never it's, endorsed it's, it's, it. Jay, it's disgusting. You talk about it's it, and you're, an running, around, you're running around with Marjorie Taylor Greene. To believe
10: in a okay. border, Tim Ryan thinks that you endorse the no, great replacement so not, theory. It's he, unbelievable. This is, this right, is candidates. Candidates. what you do. You join Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer calling your own people racist for daring to believe in a I'm border in their calling. own country. This is the game that he plays.
0: So because he has biracial children, he can't be racist, apparently. First of all, that's not a real defense. Second of all, how is this not the weaponization of identity politics? I thought that Republicans hated identity politics. That's what he's doing. Now, he's deflecting, and he's not saying what he actually said. But let's get to what J.D. Vance said and why Tim Ryan is accusing him of spreading the great replacement conspiracy theory this is courtesy of pbs republican senate nominee jd vance accused democrats of trying to transform the electorate warning of an immigrant invasion vance told fox news channel that democrats have decided that they can't win re-election in 2022 unless they bring a large number of new voters to replace the voters that are already here so using the word replace is a direct reference to the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory. And he's doing this on Fox News, where hosts like Tucker Carlson have pushed the same replacement theory hundreds of times, literally. And if that didn't make it clear enough who he was appealing to, he also released this ad. Are
10: you a racist? Do you hate Mexicans? The media calls us racist for wanting to build Trump's wall. They censor us, but it doesn't change the truth. Joe Biden's open border is killing Ohioans with more illegal drugs and more Democrat voters pouring into this country. This issue is personal. I nearly lost my mother to the poison coming across our border. No child should grow up an orphan. I'm JD Vance and I approve this message because whatever they call us, we will put America first.
0: He knows what he's doing here. He knows exactly what he's doing and who he's trying to appeal to, who he's trying to dog whistle to. So do you honestly believe? that when he talked about the ways that Democrats are trying to replace existing voters, he really wasn't referencing the Great Replacement conspiracy theory. Of course he was. And think about how stupid that ad is. So in that ad, he talks about how Joe Biden's open border is killing Ohioans. First of all, when it comes to immigration in Ohio, I mean, shouldn't you be more concerned with Canadians than Mexican immigrants? Because you're on... The other side of the country. You're nowhere near Mexico. And if you actually are worried about the drugs coming over the border, then wouldn't you propose a policy to actually stop that, decriminalize or legalize drugs so that way the government can actually control the flow of drugs, regulate it? I mean, these are things that Republicans don't think about because they're not actually very policy minded. They just want to demonize people. And if they could fear about immigrants by claiming that they're coming over illegally through our open border and bringing drugs that are killing Americans, then that's what they're going to say, because that's going to help them get elected. But I think that what Tim Ryan showed, again, is that J.D. Vance is in over his head. And the only way he's going to be able to win is by galvanizing enough racists who he has directly been appealing to but either way still not a great look and I'm, I'm glad that tim ryan is able to embarrass jd van so thoroughly and, and that it's stuck because again if you have a moderator who's repeating the ass kisser line that's gonna leave a mark so we'll see what happens overall but, you know, I hope that these debates leave a lasting impact on J.D. Vance. I'm not necessarily sure that that will indeed be the case, because as we've seen in cases like Florida, for example, when Andrew Gillum was debating Ron DeSantis, I think that he was really persuasive in those debates. But ultimately, he lost, and Ron DeSantis went on to become one of the most popular right-wing governors, if not the most popular right-wing governor in America. So just because you see a good debate performance doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be conducive to success because, again— Voters nowadays are very team sport oriented, right? So even if Tim Ryan is demonstrably crushing J.D. Vance in these debates, that's not really going to move people who already made up their minds that they're going to support their teams no matter what. So it's a matter of how many independents can Tim Ryan win over. And I think that by bringing up the corruption of J.D. Vance and how he takes money from these corporations and billionaires, that is really persuasive and he needs to keep it up if he wants to beat J.D. Vance, in my opinion. As many of you already know, Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party about mm, a couple of days ago, I want to say, and she's already campaigning for the most far right extremist Trump supporting Candidates. As NBC News' Sahil Kapoor points out, she's campaigning not just for Kerry Lake, but Blake Masters as well. And in her endorsement for Kerry Lake via Twitter, she writes For too long, establishment leaders from both parties have sought to enrich themselves, play games, and build up their power while ignoring and even enabling the suffering of millions of hardworking Americans. Kerry Lake is a leader who puts people first, is fighting for border security, energy independence, public safety, and other policies that actually make life better. And and more affordable for the American people. Kerry Lake isn't afraid to call out the warmongering, elitist cabal of permanent Washington and the military-industrial complex and their propagandists in the mainstream media. I look forward to supporting Kerry Lake ahead of these critical midterm elections." So, a lot of what she's saying here is ironic. First of all, you are part of the media propaganda apparatus because you are on Fox News weekly, if not daily right? Second of all, for you to use the word cabal, we all know that you're dog whistling to QAnon and she has to pander to them because if she wants to build up clout within Trump's base of support, she also has to try to cultivate some sort of support with those types of people by simply, you know, throwing a little bit of a nod to them here and there. Now, for her to purport to be against warmongering is really rich, considering one of the candidates who she endorsed, Don Buldick, who has consistently criticized Joe Biden for not being harsh enough against Russia and China. And what he said on Fox News was so extremist that their own Pentagon correspondent had to come out and rebuke him because of what he said and how dangerous it was. In the Fox News interview, Bolduc repeatedly claimed that there were direct military actions the US and NATO could take against Russian forces in Ukraine. He suggested the CIA or military could get in there on the ground in Ukraine using indirect fires and direct capabilities to attack Russian targets. At one point, he said the US could use special operations troops in a way that we get in there, though without boots on the ground. So Tulsi Gabbard, who is supposedly against warmongers endorsed this guy who called for a direct military confrontation between NATO and Russia. This would quite literally catalyze World War Three. The candidate who she endorsed effectively supports World War Three. And again, it's so dangerous that Jennifer Graham of Fox News debunked him right after he was on.
8: But I have to respond to something your previous guest, uh, Brigadier General Baldock, said, because he really was way mm-hmm. off the mark in terms of talking about what the U.S. could do on the ground and with the backdrop of what you've just said in terms of. Putin has nuclear weapons. That is why the U.S. military and NATO do not have troops on the ground inside Ukraine. The Ukrainians are very good fighters. They have been. It's a totally different military uh, than it was in 2014 because of the training that has been done quietly uh, by U.S. forces and other allied forces. And they are a tough Tough group of fighters. They do not need Americans to fight for them because that would then cause this to to uh, to yeah. spread. And and. Clearly, Brigadier General Baldock is not a student of history. He's a politician. He ran for Senate in New Hampshire and failed. He is not a military strategist. And to suggest that the U.S. would put indirect fires, or special operations, or CIA on the ground to uh, to uh, to give Putin any sort of excuse to broaden this conflict is extremely dangerous talk at a time like this.
0: Yeah. So when Fox News has to come out and denounce what you say because it's so insane and dangerous. I don't think that you should be characterized as an anti-war candidate, but yet Tulsi Gabbard, who's against warmongering, endorsed that guy. One of the biggest warmongers, perhaps to the right of Lindsey Graham. Now at this same event, can you guess what she said? Probably some stupid things, right? No, she said the stupidest thing at this event. According to the Daily Beast, this is what she said, quote, And this is something that is, you know, throughout history, we look at authoritarian leaders and dictators in other countries, Gabbard said, in a tangent about Biden's Philadelphia speech from September on anti-democratic extremism among Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Quote, I'm pretty sure they all believe they're doing what's best, Gabbard continued. Even Hitler thought he was doing what was best for Germany, right? For the German race. In his own mind, he found a way to justify the means to meet his end so when we have people with that mindset well you know we've got to do whatever it takes because as president biden said in that speech in philadelphia that those who supported trump those who didn't vote for him are extremists and a threat to our democracy just to be clear here she compared joe biden to hitler okay so she's jumping right in with the far-right rhetoric with the far right extremism and insanity herself. And the reason why Joe Biden made that speech is because there are individuals like candidates you endorsed, like Kerry Lake, who are a threat to democracy. Right. But it's funny. Tulsi Gabbard called Joe Biden Hitler. But what was it that she said a couple of years ago when she endorsed him?
1: Although I may not agree with the vice president on every issue, I know that he has a good heart. And he's motivated by his love for our country and the American people. I'm confident that he will lead our country guided by the spirit of aloha, respect and compassion, and thus help heal the divisiveness that has been tearing our country apart.
0: Interesting. So just a couple of years ago, Tulsi Gabbard was singing Joe Biden's praises, and now she shifted to the opposite end of the political spectrum and... She's going to be stumping for election deniers. So let's go to a recap of the candidates who she's supported thus far. As Walker Bragman puts it, Tulsi's candidate Carrie Lake pushed Trump's big lie, suggested she won't accept election results if she loses, called the COVID-19 vaccine a nightmare that will never stop, flirted with the idea of secession, very patriotic, rails against critical race theory, says she'd declare invasion at the border. Now, when it comes to Don Bolduck, he promoted Trump's big lie, suggested that covid Jabs, install microchips, very intelligent, opposes legal abortion, opposes Medicare negotiating drug prices, supports PayGo and federal spending cuts, supports voter ID laws. Yeah, and not mentioned in that tweet is uh, his support for World War Three effectively, because that's what would happen if Joe Biden did what he wants. So, yeah. You know, on one hand, people might think that Tulsi Gabbard is politically irrelevant at this point. So there's really no reason to focus on her. But I think that there is a point. I think that she is going to be politically relevant and people are speculating about what she wants to do here. What is this grift supposedly setting her up for a media career or a career in uh, politics once again albeit as a republican i think it's either or but really what i think she's jockeying for is a spot on trump's ticket if she is incapable of winning a democratic party primary because the left and the center disliked her for different reasons but they both disliked her well it It's hard to say whether or not she can make it through a Republican primary. She can't beat Donald Trump, right? That's for sure. She probably can't beat DeSantis because she doesn't have as much right wing clout as both of those individuals. But what she can do is set herself up for a place on that ticket if she at least proves sufficient loyalty to Donald Trump. Now, Trump values loyalty above everything. So what Tulsi Gabbard is doing currently is she's laying the groundwork for a co-run with Donald Trump as his running mate. She endorsed all the little lunatics that he's endorsing as well. Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, some of the biggest boosters of Donald Trump. It's also this connection. You know, Blake Masters is bankrolled by Peter Thiel. Tulsi Gabbard is on Rumble, a website that is funded heavily by individuals like Peter Thiel. So I think that there's that connection as well. But I also think that she is genuinely setting herself up for A run either as a future republican president or to be on trump's ticket whether or not she'll be successful that's yet to be seen but either way i think that her grift on the right is going to be much more successful than the grift that she had on the left but one thing that i've got to ask is uh you know all of the biggest boosters of tulsi gabbard in 2019 and 2018 who attacked individuals like myself and anna kasparian and emma viglin for trying to objectively gauge how progressive tulsi gabbard was had these people come out and apologized to their audiences for being so wrong about Tulsi Gabbard? I mean, has Jimmy Dore said, boy, was I wrong about Tulsi Gabbard? I mean, I think that he referenced her changing in a tweet, but with how heavily you boosted her as a surrogate for Tulsi Gabbard, Jimmy, maybe you should do a little bit more and admit that you were flat wrong. And perhaps we shouldn't trust your characterizations of candidates if you fell for a fraud like Tulsi Gabbard long after many of us have already realized that, yeah, it seems like she's not as progressive as she was leading on. And perhaps when she dropped out from the DNC and endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016, that was an opportunistic move to try to grift the left. And it worked out for a little bit, but the left has standards. So we quickly saw through her grift. But now she went from the left to far right and i've got to say she is one of the biggest frauds in politics she's incredibly transparent but i don't think that the right cares and i think that now at this point in time she feels as if the bridge between centrists and leftists has been thoroughly burned so she has no reason to not go all the way in when it comes to supporting far-right MAGA-chuds, even if she's contradicting herself by supporting warmongers. Again, the right doesn't necessarily value consistency, so they're not going to have an issue with this here. But either way, like, she's got to feel a little bit of shame, right? Well, probably not, because grifters usually don't care about shame or principles because they value money and clout over everything, and that's why she's as brazen as she is with this transparent grift. So about a week or so ago, I talked about a Keating research poll conducted between September 29th and October 2nd, which found that Lauren Boebert is in danger of losing her reelection bid because this poll found a five point swing for her Democratic opponent, meaning that she was statistically tied with Adam Frisch. She was sitting at 47 percent to his 45 percent with 7 percent of voters undecided. Now, at the time, I poured cold water. Over everyone's hopes and dreams even noting that the poll was good news specifically because this one poll could be an outlier we need a second poll to confirm that she is indeed statistically tied with her democratic opponent well we have a second poll now and that poll that we saw from keating research was indeed not an outlier because a center street pack poll found that adam frisch is officially leading lauren boebert by five points with 45 percent to her 40 percent so it's official she is in danger of losing her re-election bid now notice that there's still a high amount of undecided voters in this race that could make her break everything but lauren boebert i've got to admit it even as cynical as i am she could lose now In that same video where I talked about this, I cited a number of reasons aside from the poll possibly being an outlier as to why she has an advantage here. And I still stand by a lot of those reasons. But let me tell you what I said in particular. Even though there's a chance, even though this poll is a good sign, even though it's possible that Frisch defeats Bobo, It's very, very unlikely, unfortunately, and let me tell you why. First and foremost, Colorado's 3rd District heavily favors Republicans usually, and I don't think that Bobo is as much of a deviation from the norm, considering how insane and extremist other Republicans are. Sure, she's out there. Sure, she's worse. But is she bad enough to get them to either vote for a Democrat or not vote? I don't necessarily think so if history is a guide. Also, 538 gives Bobo a 98% chance of winning. So there is a chance to cite Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber but it is a very small chance. Now, another thing working in her favor is money. According to Open Secrets, she's raised more than $5 million this cycle and has more than $2 million in her campaign coffers, whereas Adam Frisch, by comparison, has only raised $1.1 million, And I say only knowing that a $1 million is a huge amount, but compared to Lauren Boebert's $5 million, And politically speaking, this isn't necessarily that much, considering he now only has under $600,000 in his campaign war chest. Also, most of his campaign is financed by himself, and he has almost no grassroots support, which means that he's not doing enough to register new voters and create enthusiasm. And he's instead just relying on disaffected independents, which, as we've learned throughout the years, is not a very good strategy for Democrats. So all of those things are still true, but the situation has gotten more dire for Lauren Boebert. Now, what she has working for her is a lot of money in her campaign coffers. The problem is that if it is the case that she's turning off a lot of undecided and independent voters because she's too bombastic and too extremist, which didn't seem likely at first, but perhaps that is the case. The problem is if she starts running ads and blasting her message everywhere, that could backfire if voters are just getting sick of hearing from Lauren Boebert. So, look, I think that the polls, they're not necessarily foolproof, right? It's not like this is a foregone conclusion that she's going to lose. But I went from thinking "Mm, it's very unlikely to thinking now there's a 50-50 chance that she actually does lose. Although, one more thing that I'm going to throw in Bobert's favor is the fact that momentum, at least nationally speaking, has shifted towards Republicans. We talked about a poll by Siena College in the New York Times, and it showed that most voters are now opting for Republicans over Democrats with the biggest swing coming from independent women. So Lauren Boebert still has that in her advantage. But still, I mean, this is startling for Lauren Boebert. If I were one of her campaign members, I would be worrying right now because this isn't no small thing to be statistically tied with your opponent. When you're an incumbent is bad enough but to now see that he's leading that's a whole different story so again like i said 50 50 earlier in the video i'm gonna say she still has a 60 to 70 percent chance i think overall of winning just because my cynicism is going to win out but this is a very bad sign for her and maybe she's her own worst enemy i genuinely don't know but if she were to lose It would be so wonderful to see, but we'll just have to wait and see. Otherwise, that poll wasn't an outlier apparently and she may be in real danger of losing. Over the course of the last couple of years, YouTubers like myself have been trying our best to debunk the transphobic talking points that we're seeing from politicians and podcast hosts. The problem is that our reach is very limited. So unless people are able to combat the vitriol with facts and arguments, unless they know how to respond to these transphobic talking points that they're hearing, well, things are just going to continue to deteriorate in this country. So it felt like we were fighting this losing battle where the people who are saying these terrible things. They have a bigger reach than the people who are debunking these terrible things that they're saying. So how do you compete with that? Well, the answer is you do your best. But at at the end of the day, understand that it's an uphill battle. But now I am pleased to report that the cavalry has arrived because people with very large platforms, television shows, are finally saying what we've all been saying now for years. And it's really a positive thing to see. This is the hopium that I needed because when it comes to issues related to the LGBTQ plus community, especially trans issues, it really was hard to not feel defeated and depressed. But both Jon Stewart and John Oliver used their massive platforms to thoroughly and powerfully debunk transphobic arguments that have gotten a lot of steam. Now, unfortunately, I can't play large portions of their clips. So what I want to advise you to do Stop watching this video right now. Yes, you heard that correct. Stop watching this. Go to the description section and click on these links and watch them for yourselves because they really are so incredible that I can't put it into words just how effective these are going to be. But if you don't want to see what they say yet, if you're not convinced, I've got a couple of clips. They're very short because I don't know. Uh, whether or not Apple TV is going to come after me for playing them. But first, let's look at John Oliver's recent segment published to YouTube on Sunday evening.
7: People like Noam love stoking fear over the specter of trans athletes, girls specifically having an unfair advantage and taking away scholarship opportunities. But there are vanishingly few examples nationwide of trans athletes attempting to compete at all. And in Nome State specifically, the head of their high school sports association could name exactly one transgender female athlete who competed and who graduated several years ago. So there are more athletes in this shot from Nome's ad than there are trans girls known to have competed in South Dakota schools. But even if there were more, discriminating against them would still obviously be wrong. And it would still be weird that state legislatures were getting involved in decisions that are usually made by organizations governing the sports in question. And it is worth knowing Even at the elite level, conversations around this aren't being handled with flat out bans. The IOC has announced that it will set rules on a sport by sport basis, but working on the general principle that no athlete should be excluded from competition on the assumption of an advantage due to their gender. And it is pretty remarkable that a trans athlete could theoretically compete in the Olympics, but not in South Dakota under 12 soccer.
0: Now he goes on to explain how these right wing politicians they not only have no facts on their side, but the examples that they're using to gin up transphobic hysteria, it's it's bizarre if you look at the details. Christy Nome is a governor who has kind of championed herself as a protector of girls sports because she banned trans high schoolers from participating in in school sports. The problem is there's no known transgender athletes and A blanket ban, as he explains later on, is something that isn't just mean. But it also doesn't really make sense because you have other commissions like the Olympics, for example, they decide what is and isn't fair on a case by case basis, which is the way that it should be when it comes to sports. Blanket, blanket bands don't defend women's sports. They only hurt trans people and stop them par- from participating. But it really is a good example because it shows you that these politicians have nothing They don't have an economic message all that they have is fear-mongering and hysteria and even the examples that they use protecting women's sports are founded on nothing now john stewart makes the same type of argument you know throughout the course of his uh, i think it's like 30 minute episode on his apple tv show the problem with john stewart and his episode i've got to say it's one of the most powerful Repudiations of transphobia that I think I've ever seen. It's the most influential and effective thing that I've ever seen. Like watching it was honestly shocking to see somebody with a giant platform make these, uh, make this uh, argument, make this case. So I'm gonna play a short clip from his exchange with Leslie Rutledge. This is the Attorney General of Arkansas. She and her state passed legislation that bans gender-affirming care for trans youth and he's going to explain why what they did is nonsensical
1: so if your child
11: is suffering from pediatric cancer and the state comes in and says to you they recommend chemotherapy but we're not going to let you do that you can't we think you should get a different opinion and here's the organization we think you should get the opinion from they're not the mainstream but they're an organization So that's how you that's who you have to
0: be treated by. Does that sound like something you would? Well,
12: I think that's a very extreme example. That's not at all in line with what we're talking about.
0: Now, what he said there is not going to be revolutionary if you've watched this show, because many YouTubers have made that same argument. But the problem is, as I stated at the beginning of this video, many people haven't heard this argument. They haven't thought through these things and how preposterous these bans on gender-affirming care are so when it comes to treatment of children when it comes to cancer for example the state without question follows the consensus of medical experts when it comes to how to treat those children but when it comes to gender-affirming care for trans youth they're disregarding what the experts are saying completely and instead they're superimposing what they believe is the thing that should be done, which is ban any type of care, even social transition for trans youth. And that is deadly. Jon Stewart challenges her on this and she brings up bogus statistics. For For example, she talks about how if you deny gender-affirming care, and I'm paraphrasing, by the way, deny gender-affirming care and you give those trans kids counseling, then 98% of them end up not having gender dysphoria. Now, he calls her out because she just made that number up. And he, he says that as well. So this exchange here is so powerful because it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the transphobes who want to try to erase trans people from society, especially trans children, they have no argument, they have no data, statistics, and they don't have ethics on their side. It's lose, lose, lose for them. We just need people to see this. Now, I don't think that transphobes are going to watch this because they are inherently closed minded, hence the reason why they're transphobes. Usually if you're a bigot, you're not a very open minded person. But if you are somebody who has come to this channel, I've seen you, you've commented and you just don't agree about all of this gender extremism, I dare you watch these segments. If you don't want to watch both, watch Jon Stewart's segment and try to formulate some sort of a rebuttal to it. It's very difficult to do because, again, this is not an argument that he's making based on emotions. It's based on facts and reality and data and empirical evidence. That's why it's so powerful. So the reason why I want to talk about this is because a lot of the segments that I've done lately on trans issues have been very defeatist sounding probably, and I don't want to... I guess I don't want to like black pill people and make them not fight. I mean, trans people don't have a choice, but really I want to let people know that it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, we're in this bad state right now, but things can change. And this is a huge shift in momentum in our direction because now for the first time, all of the arguments that you've been making are now echoed by massive, massive media figures with very large platforms. So what I want people to do, what I want to encourage you all to do is watch these segments, memorize the arguments that they're making and use them when you're talking about trans rights to your transphobic family member use these arguments. This is why we talk about these things. I want you to use the talking points and use the data that I present to you on this program because a lot of people, even Democrats, liberals, they don't necessarily know how to respond to transphobic arguments, so they just kind of choose to step back. But we need people engaged. We need every single person to stand up for trans people because they are under assault right now in this country, and we need all hands on debt. And so what Jon Stewart and John Oliver just did is give us a massive, massive point of reference to point to. Nobody's going to watch a video from the Humanist Report or Lance from the Serfs because they don't know who we are. We're just YouTubers. We could be anyone. But they know who Jon Stewart is. They know who John Oliver is. And even if they may not agree with them ideologically, they at least know that the presentations that they have will be packed with facts and data. It's hard to argue against that. So use them as a resource to debunk transphobic arguments that's the main takeaway and that's why i'm talking about this now the video may be deleted because again i'm sharing these clips and apple tv hbo they don't necessarily like fair use but either way i, I just i had to say it because these segments are game changers in my opinion and i don't believe that that's hyperbolic so
13: apparently uh apparently i i guess you have a warrant
12: for what I'm not it's sure. for voter stuff, man. For voters. It's, it's uh-huh. what it is. It. I think the agents with FDLE talked to you last week yeah, about some voter fraud, voter stuff, when you weren't supposed to be voting, maybe. I didn't... So... What are they talking that, about? That's man, what We're not the case agents, but what you gotta do, they, they have reduced your bond quite a bit. It, it's two felony charges for voter fraud, but they've what? reduced it to $500 bonds. So it's a thousand dollars total. Oh my god, man. What? So, the? Yes, sir. So unfortunately right now we're gonna have to take you to jail, but you're you got a bond right away. You don't have to go to first appearance, nothing like that. So
0: what you just watched was the result of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's Orwellian Office of Election Crimes and Security created earlier this year to tackle voter fraud, despite previously claiming that the vote in Florida was secure already. But he created this unit perhaps to expand his power and score a few political points, But we're learning what this new election fraud unit looks like in practice because of a report released by the Tampa Bay Times, and it's pretty ugly. So as Common Dreams explains, police in the Tampa area arrested 19 people, including 13 black residents and 12 registered Democrats. The people said they had been led to believe they were legally allowed to vote when they cast ballots in recent years, following Florida residents' overwhelming approval of a voting rights referendum in 2018. The passage of the referendum meant that voting rights were restored to 1.4 million people with past felony convictions, but the law excluded people who were convicted of sex offenses or murder. So eligibility of felons was limited to people who were not previously convicted of murder or sex crimes. Now, Subsequent laws were passed that further limited eligibility. So that way, if you were a felon and you weren't convicted of one of those crimes, well, you still couldn't vote if you owed outstanding fines or fees. And a ProPublica analysis found that after Amendment 4 had passed, more than thirty one thousand felons registered to vote. But There was still a lot of confusion about who could and couldn't vote and that's specifically because the state didn't purge ineligible people from the rolls if they had registered to vote and to make matters worse people unknowingly registered to vote not knowing that they weren't eligible and so you're going to see in the second clip here that everyone was confused the people who were being arrested and the cops were confused as well as to why they were arresting these people when they didn't willfully commit a crime Oh my God, hold on, wait, wait. let
9: me tell my husband. Wait, wait. We, we're no, we telling, put, he's we right, here. Him right
13: here. So if you could put your hand on your back please. Oh my God. Do so not move. Ultimately, ma'am, you have a warrant. Okay, the warrant, no. listen, hold on, listen. I know you're, you caught off guard, I understand, right? So you have a warrant, it's for voter fraud, okay? Hear me out. It's an ROR, you know what an ROR is?
9: Oh my God.
13: You go in, you get booked, and then they're gonna release you from booking. You can
9: go right out. You're
13: gonna be right back out, okay? Right back out. Right back but home. you have a warrant.
9: Okay. Yep. I'm like, voted for that voter, but I ain't fight, commit no fraud.
4: Well,
13: yeah, so th- that's the thing. I, I don't know exactly what happened with it, but you you do have a warrant. That's what it's for. Okay. Oh
6: my God. Yeah.
13: So I don't know what happened
6: with that, but yeah,
13: uh,
9: I got out. The guy told me that I was reinstated really to go vote. Whatever comes out of my
13: time. Yep. I was but the warrant was just made. Uh, Yesterday, so. I, got me two ago. Yeah, I know. I I, I don't know, ma'am. I honestly couldn't tell you. Okay. So I got to I got to do some paperwork, and uh, the quicker I can
14: get the paperwork
8: done, the quicker I can get you there. Okay.
14: Hey, unfortunately you got a warrant out, okay? Warrant? Yes, sir. Yeah. You want to punch, put your hands behind your back for me? I guess you're not allowed to
4: vote. Well, no, but when I... No one ever really explained all that much. You may have told the guys when they came out here, that I was at the, the driver's license place, getting <laughs> my new driver's license. Yeah. The guy there asked me, he says, Hey, can you... He says, Hey, are you ready to vote? I said, I'm going to phone. I'm pretty sure I can He goes, Well, are you still on probation? I said, No uh that got off probation like a month ago he goes well then you can probably vote hey just fill out the form and if you can vote then they'll let you give you a card if you can't vote then you won't and i'm like all right then there's your defense you know what i'm saying I mean, I so that sounds like a loophole
6: to me so i this back we can hope can
13: you give this back
14: because of the sex offender thing that you can't vote. So, I mean, the warrant is for the voting deal, I guess. But,
6: Hmm. I guess it's kind of all tied
4: together.
14: Yeah, I guess they're doing like some kind of roundup thing or something for all the ones that were within the county.
8: Yeah, I had to do one of these this morning already.
14: Oh, really? Uh, do you know the statute? I, it doesn't say it on the- let, Let's walk Why? over to my Why car, okay? Why is y'all
13: doing this now and, and this happened years ago? Uh, I don't know. I, I have
6: no idea, man. Uh, this shit is crazy, man. Y'all put me in jail for something I didn't know nothing about. Why would y'all let me vote if I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to vote?
0: Because of politics, that's the answer to that question. Now, I think that the attorney for one of these people, he explained that the best. Mark Rankin, an attorney for Oliver, told The Times he believed DeSantis's office targeted people with past felonies so the governor could announce the arrests at a later press conference and claim his administration was cracking down on convicted criminals. That's a political strategy, Rankin told The Times. And I think he's absolutely correct. DeSantis is doing this to make an example out of these folks, to not only claim that he is cracking down on convicted criminals, but to also say, look, Democrats claim that there's no evidence for voter fraud, I just presented you with the evidence. Sure, maybe it's the case that these folks were inadvertently entrapped into voting when they weren't eligible to vote, but still, voter fraud, it was committed, here's your evidence. It's incredibly insidious. But this is modern American politics where politicians will do and say anything to get ahead, even if it means screwing over people who by no fault of their own committed a crime. Now, the good news is that it doesn't seem as if any of the people arrested on August 18th, including the ones that we saw in the video, are going to be charged with a crime because the standard in Florida law is that you have to willfully commit a crime in order to be charged with it. And these people very clearly did not know that they committed a crime. So according to civil rights attorney, uh, Cheryl Ifill, who was quoted in the Common Dreams article, these folks, are not going to be charged with the crime but that's not really the point the point is to make an example out of them and that's why they were arrested right that's why this election unit was supposed to go after them now six of the people who were previously convicted for sex crimes uh these folks already had prosecutors not bring charges against them because again they didn't meet the standard set out by florida law that you have to knowingly commit a crime to be charged for it so these folks They didn't know that they were eligible. In some instances, they were encouraged to register to vote after Amendment 4 passed because they thought that they could vote because they learned that felons could vote, not knowing about the restrictions and the further restrictions passed by Florida's legislature. And now there's this situation where people, a small amount, but still enough people are getting arrested for voting when they thought they were voting legally. And that's just so wrong because we all know this is being done specifically to prove a point this is being done so ronda santis can flex and prove to people that he's tough on convicted criminals now republicans in florida have been working to undermine amendment 4 by trying to water it down and it's just um it's to be expected right voters they make their voices heard loud and clear by passing amendment 4 overwhelmingly or approving amendment 4 overwhelmingly and republicans try to undermine democracy so Yeah, this isn't necessarily that surprising, but to see what this voter uh, election fraud unit looks like in practice, it's it's pretty gross because we know why DeSantis is doing this and it's just, it's so immoral, but yet that's not going to stop him. I want to talk about a republican named randy kaufman this is an individual from arizona who was running to represent the governing board of the maricopa county community college district now he had to suspend his campaign for reasons i will tell you about in a moment but let's talk about who he was as a candidate this is an individual who has consistently been a strong Trump supporter. He's an election denier. On top of that, he is an anti-vaxxer, an anti-masker. And as HuffPost explains, in a Facebook post from May, Kaufman said he wanted our children protected from the progressive left. Now, in addition to that, he seems very interested in protecting children. In a Facebook post on May 8th, he wrote, my home state of Oregon peeps, what are you doing putting tampons in the boys' bathroom? I mean, really, are you not aware that boys do not have periods, or did something happen in my time away? On May 2nd, he wrote, what tools they are. DC Elementary School gave four-year-olds anti-racism fist book, asking them to identify racist family members. So he seems very concerned about children and the development of children. So of course, he would never do anything to endanger children, right? Well, wrong. As Law and Crime reports, according to a probable cause affidavit obtained by Law and Crime, an officer with the Maricopa County College's Police Department at approximately 4.29 p.m. on October 4th was performing his normal patrol routine when he observed a maroon Ford F-150 pickup truck just inside of a parking lot at Rio Salado College in Surprise, Arizona. The officer said he noticed that the vehicle was parked across three spaces and there was a shade screen across the inside of the front windshield, which he noted as unusual. Approximately 10 minutes later, the officer went to take a closer look at the vehicle and noticed that it was still running. He allegedly approached the vehicle from the front passenger door and observed Kaufman in the driver's seat, noting that he appeared to be using one of his hands to hold up a cell phone. Quote, I immediately became alarmed as I saw Kaufman had his pants down mid-thigh and was exposed, showing his fully erect nude penis. <laughs> Kaufman- Kaufman, <laughs> I can't get through this next line. Kaufman, <laughs> Kaufman was manipulating his generals. <sighs> Kaufman. <laughs> Kaufman was manipulating his genitals in a mass bed- <laughs> Kaufman was manipulating his genitals in a masturbatory manner, the affidavit states. I'm going to come. I'm literally crying. I'm just imagining the police officer seeing that face and describing, well, he was manipulating his genitals in a masturbatory manner. It's just, it's a little bit too much for me to take. Now, this would be a funny story if that was the end of it. You see this Republican jerking off in his vehicle but the reason why this is so much more serious than just indecent exposure is because he was within full view of a preschool literally like 190 feet away he was in a parking lot next to a Wurtzies preschool and child care center and he was in full view of the school there were children on the playground so the cop was like what are you doing it's bad enough to be masturbating in public but you're doing it when there are children right there they're right there what are you doing now the exchange between the police officer and him was definitely interesting so let's get to that an excerpt from the affidavit shows a portion of the alleged conversation officer says i saw you had your phone out while you were doing what you were what was going on with the phone Kaufman replies, saying, I was watching porn. Officer, what kind of porn were you watching? Kaufman responded, saying, interracial porn. Officer says, when you look around (laughs) here, what do you see? Kaufman says, the child center, but I didn't notice it until you came up and I got out of my truck. Are you going to put that in a report? Officer, don't you see how alarming that is that there are children nearby, people passing on bikes and in cars where they can look and see what you are doing? Kaufman says, quote, I fucked up. Yeah, you did to put it lightly, and on top of that, he claimed that he was stressed out, which is why he was watching interracial porn and masturbating in his Ford F-150 truck. Jesus Christ, what a fucking psychopath this guy is. Who does that? If you're stressed out and you have the urge to masturbate, go home. What are you doing? It's bad enough to do it in a parking lot, but again, he was right next to a preschool. A preschool. This is disgusting. This guy is perverted and I don't necessarily know whether or not he was aware that there was a preschool but when there are children playing outside they're pretty loud they're having fun screaming you how could you not know that's the question right were you not familiar with the area did you just pull over like you had to jerk off immediately so you like pull into this parking lot next to a preschool you're parked across three different spaces and you just immediately had to jerk off was it that urgent for you was it this compulsive thing that you had to do immediately. It's just very bizarre. And I don't even expect 14 year old boys to behave in this manner because it's just something that you don't do. It's just disrespectful. And when you're in front of children or that close to children within the proximity of a preschool, it's absolutely deeply perverted. Now, he tried to convince the police officer to go off the record on this, but the police officer did not because why would he you're next to a preschool you are a danger to these children so as funny as the details are the way that the officer describes this in the affidavit of he was touching his genitals in a masturbatory manner still the fact that he did this near preschool this this is incredibly serious especially for somebody who purports to care about protecting the children from the progressive left. Seems like we need to protect children from you because you're jerking off in a parking lot next to a preschool. And I just, I don't know how you don't realize that unless you like swerved off the road and you just didn't even realize what you were doing. You whipped out your dick immediately. It's just, it's so bizarre. His response here is so bizarre to me um but for somebody who's unhinged he's anti-vax anti-mask he's an election denier a full-blown MAGA chud i don't necessarily expect that much competence and intelligence from these individuals but i feel like there's this like baseline level of decency as an adult that you are forced to exhibit and he he lacks that he doesn't meet the bare minimum like he fails that threshold and to make matters worse he did it in front of a school again this would not be acceptable if he were not next to a school I shouldn't say in front of a school but allegedly nearby a school he was in a parking lot and then the school was adjacent to the parking lot that he was in but he was within view of the school so it's uh it's hard to tell specifically like what he was thinking I think that this was the absence of thought he wasn't thinking but it's it really goes to show you that these Republicans the ones who often protest the loudest about the threat that the left poses to children they're usually uh, usually the ones that you have to look out for because they end up getting caught with their pants down literally jerking off when preschools are within proximity of the vehicle that they're jerking off in um just overall disgusting but i mean i'm not that surprised but he did drop out so that's good he suspended his campaign but i'm still just shocked by the details the fact that he did this is just to me so alarming so bizarre as as humorous as the details are like what the cop wrote it's it's funny right but overall the situation is so disturbing that he would do this so yeah i'll leave that there a republican was caught jerking off in his car and it was a little bit too close for comfort to a preschool and that's that's really shameful are any republicans going to condemn this especially the ones who have been really loud about groomers Probably not because they would never because consistency isn't necessarily something that Republicans are known for. But still, it's important that we know about this story because Republicans are full of shit. And this is just one more example to prove just that.
14: I, I just I got my laptop stolen out of my car last night. and I got oh, to call no. the police. Before God, I forget. Just we hold on one second here. Sure, sure. Mr. Walker, hey, uh, this is James Smartwood from Big News. Do you have a second to chat? And what paper are you with now? It's, uh, it's Big News. Basically, what I wanted to do was I wanted to report a crime. Uh, I left my window down in my car last night. Someone stole my laptop out of the passenger seat, and so I'm just trying to figure out if there's any way in your, you know, as someone who's a law enforcement person, uh, if there's any way you could take a look at it.
6: Well, i tell you what we'll do is... Uh Bill reports the thing and and, uh, and all that and
4: stuff?
6: Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. But what we'll do is, you got a number I can call?
4: Uh,
14: yeah, sure. One second. It's. Uh, wait, wait,
0: wait. Let me get this.
14: Sure. No, I mean, if if it is something you could take care of, is it something where you could go down there, kind of get some fingerprints, check out the the security cameras and all that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh. Five, six. But the, you know, I'm just trying to. The main thing though is I want to get to this laptop. Is there any chance you could hop in the squad car? You know, flick on the siren, come down here, and maybe like go under cover or something.
6: Uh, what can you do? Can you do anything?
14: No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not actually in. You know, I think that's, I don't have the authority.
6: Let me, uh, let me call you then. There's normally a call. That
14: sounds great. Uh All right, thank you, sir. I gave him the wrong number. I don't want him him having my number.
0: You just listened to a real prank call made by James Smartwood, one of the cartoon anchors from Stephen Colbert's tuning out the new show on Paramount. And if you haven't seen it, the show is hilarious. It's really underrated, and it's one of my favorite, I I think, political shows. And it's very Daily Show circa 2010-esque, and I would highly recommend it to everyone. But they were obviously clowning on Herschel Walker, because of his honorary sheriff badge that he apparently carries with him everywhere. Now, as we talked about earlier in the week, that badge confers no real authority onto Herschel Walker, despite his claims that it does. And as the New York Times explains, Georgia sheriffs were seriously handing out those badges like candy in a candy dish. J. Tom Morgan, a former district attorney in DeKalb County, Georgia, who was elected as a Democrat, said in an interview on Saturday, that badge gives you no law enforcement authority. He doesn't have the power to write a traffic ticket. Now, what I love about that call is one, Herschel Walker did not seem to realize that it was a prank call. Uh, And two, there was a moment there where... Herschel Walker asks Smartwood, well, can you do anything about your stolen laptop? And then Smartwood had the best response saying, "Um, well, no, I mean, I'm not actually, you know, I don't have the authority to which... Herschel Walker then is reminded, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be pretending to be a cop. So I guess I should do something. Let me get back to this individual. So is Herschel Walker actually making calls to try to investigate this stolen laptop? Is he calling his buddies in the police department? It's just I want to know what's happening behind the scenes. Just the fact that he was seriously taking down this individual's name who's coming to him with a real criminal matter. I just, I love it. It shows you how delusional Herschel Walker is. He actually believes that his honorary sheriff badge gives him real authority. Now, believe it or not, that wasn't the only time that Herschel Walker was clowned this week. So back in June, we learned that Herschel Walker fathered multiple children that he later abandoned, and even his own son, Christian Walker, called him out via Twitter. Take a look. And you know my favorite issue to talk about is father absence. Surprise, because it affected me. That's why I talk about it all the time, because it affected me. Family values people, he has four kids, four different women, wasn't in the house raising one of them. He was out having sex with other women. Do you care about family values? Now, Christian Walker later tweeted, wear a condom, damn. So, Herschel Walker has been taking L after L after L. Now, Along those lines, uh, comedian Jason Selvig of The Good Liars decided to actually assist Herschel Walker and do what his son, or try to get him to do what his son is recommending. And he tweeted out, we tried to give Herschel Walker condoms today for obvious reasons. Now, the moment where he tries to give Herschel Walker a fat roll of condoms was actually captured by the recount. There's no audio here, so you can't actually hear what they're saying. I'm sure that The Good Liars is going to release the full video here soon. Um, And I muted it because there's copyrighted music playing. But just watch the exchange, because as you can see, Herschel Walker wasn't necessarily taken kindly to the, uh, (laughs)
9: The implication (laughs) of the role of condoms, just watch.
0: Oh, it's so good (laughs) it's so good how embarrassing imagine trying to be a serious politician failing at trying to be serious or trying to seem serious mind you but you just keep taking l after l and all of your dirty laundry has been aired i mean if you're going to get into politics you've got to know that these things are going to come up and if you're someone like herschel walker that just has this gigantic list of secrets of skeletons in your closet you've got to know that running for public office would be an embarrassment to you. But the funny thing is that it's not out of the question that he wins because he is, at the moment, according to the last poll that I checked, still statistically tied with his Democratic opponent, Raphael Warnock. And the fact that this is even a close race really is embarrassing. Now, the good news is that the abortion story has apparently put a dent into Herschel Walker's support because a small percentage of evangelicals who were previously supporting Herschel Walker decided that the hypocrisy on the issue of abortion was a little bit too much. But still, considering how disastrous that story was for him, you think that his support would have been further affected, right? But not necessarily because this is the world that we live in, where Republican supporters don't necessarily base who they're going to vote for on policy whatsoever. It's just about who's part of their tribe. Either way, I wanted to share this more lighthearted story with you because I know that the election season can be a little bit draining. I feel election fatigue myself, but stories like this kind of help to lighten the mood a little bit and just I don't know, make us smile, which I think is necessary during these dark times. So there you have it, Herschel Walker taking L after L this week as well. And you just you love to see it. Well, the conservative dream of having their own anti-woke superhero has unfortunately crumbled because the financing for this project was essentially stolen. So, the Daily Beast has the story here. Will Summer writes An attempt to make a right wing superhero movie has ended in disaster, with $1 million missing in China and a participant facing a federal indictment. Quote, I wouldn't count on us getting the money back, Theodore Beale, a far right blogger known as Vox Day, admitted to his fans and investors in a video last week. This isn't how Beale's followers thought their investments would go in 2019 when they started contributing to fund a film based on a Confederacy themed superhero comic book character created by Bill, a trailer promoting the proposed movie Rebels Run featured the character Rebel fighting a global police force hunting down free-thinking conservatives. Frequent Tucker Carlson collaborator Scooter Donnie signed on to direct. Beal's supporters rapidly blew past an initial $750,000 fundraising goal, ultimately raising more than $1 million. That money was supposed to be held in escrow to secure several million more dollars in funding. Three years later, though, the cash is gone, and with it, Beal's hopes for a movie now i'll tell you specifically what happened to that money but first i just want to show you the trailer because i know you're itching to see uh what this is about and it's just it's sad because this is what they took from us
4: all across
7: the rest of the world arrests are taking place Dios ultras nationalists a whole host of nasties
4: With the assistance of the Global Justice Initiative, federal police have raided the homes of all known to have committed hate crimes. You will not be warned. There is no escape. The global crackdown on hate has begun.
11: chose a new war, a different kind of war. People care about their heroes.
0: So it looks amazing in my opinion, but I'm not going to watch it because they went woke. I thought this was an anti-woke superhero, but yet you have a woman as the superhero. Everyone knows women can't be superheroes, so to cast a woman as your main protagonist, you've gone woke. Look, in all honesty, obviously I'm being facetious for those who can't detect it. Um, the movie looks like dog shit, but I've got to commend him for the style. I-, I think that there's clearly talent here if he created this character. I hate the Confederate garb, but just like the design overall, I can appreciate the art. Um, but it's not gonna happen. The movie isn't going to come to fruition because the money is gone. Now. This isn't the first time that conservatives have been defrauded. Need I remind you that thousands of conservatives funded the We Build the Wall project and raised $25 million to fund Trump's border wall. But Brian Colfidge, one of the co-founders of the project, pled guilty of pocketing those funds, and Steve Bannon was charged with money laundering, and the wall was never built. So it was all just a grift. Now, in Beale's instance, to his credit, This was not a grift. He actually wanted to make the movie. The problem was that it was going to be difficult to find people that wanted to work with him, given the Confederate subject matter and the horrible things that he said in the past. We're talking about homophobia, sexism, uh, racist comments. I I believe that he said he didn't support women's suffrage or implied that he didn't support women's suffrage. So not necessarily an individual that many people would want to work with. So he decided to find a financer to put the money in escrow of this business that was a little bit sketch the name alone was a little bit sus to me it was ohana capital financial so um he put his money with them and that's when it went poof the Daily Beast continues, as Ohana's promotional materials put it, according to prosecutors, the firm offered banking to the unbankable. On November 5, 2020, Beale transferred the $1 million to Ohana to be held in escrow in advance of future film funding. Ohana was the creation of James Wolfgram, a self-described cryptocurrency billionaire who posted pictures of sports cars that supposedly belonged to him on social media. But in fact, according to a federal indictment filed last month, Wolfgram's wealth was a sham. The Sports car pictures, for example, were pulled from other websites. Wolfgram's business also sold what were billed as high-tech cryptocurrency mining rigs, but those two were a hoax, according to prosecutors. With their screens just running on a loop to create the illusion of mines, unbeknownst to Beal and his supporters, the indictment alleges Wolfgram was deeply in debt to one of his business's other clients. That client had paid Ohana more than four million dollars in September of 2020, several months into the COVID-19 pandemic, as part of what was meant to be a payment to a Chinese manufacturer of personal protective equipment. Instead of carrying out the transaction, prosecutors allege Wolfgram spent the millions on his own unrelated business issues. Now seven figures in the hole and with no PPE to show for it, Wolfgram allegedly used the rebels' run money to buy the Chinese medical equipment. Soon after that, according to a video bill released to his fans, the blogger and his collaborators became suspicious and contacted the FBI, sparking the investigation into wolfgram. And now wolfgram is facing four counts of wire fraud because he took the rebel run money and used it for a different reason. So pretty much, you know, a, a textbook fraud situation here. Now Bill is understandably upset here, even if I disagree with him. He put money with this individual and it was not used for the reason it was used for, right? So he's angry and he's going to lash out. But what he's saying is kind of bizarre to me he's claiming that this isn't just an instance of him and his fans being defrauded really this goes deeper it's a targeted operation Mm, I don't really think so I don't think that this is some grand conspiracy I think that you just kind of got taken advantage of because you really couldn't turn to anyone else so you opted for somebody who was a shady crypto billionaire which that alone to me would be a huge red flag. But I mean, if you're desperate and you need to put this money in escrow, then what else are you going to do? So, um, you know, just on a human level, I do feel bad for Bill and his fans because they poured a lot of money and I'd imagine passion into this and it all amounted to nothing. But at the same time, it's sad that he doesn't want to use his talent for good. Instead, he's promoting anti-SJW propaganda and the whole premise alone of like a superhero that's fighting against uh what what was it that the daily beast said fighting against a global police force hunting down free-thinking conservatives it's just so corny like if you asked me would i prefer a leftist superhero where conservatives are hunting down the leftist for being a leftist as opposed to like just a normal fucking superhero movie i'd opt for the latter i don't want to see Politics overtly injected in films because I feel like that just doesn't work very well. Political messages in films work when they're more subtle, right? When you're trying to drive home a point, but you prime the viewers to think about the point that you want them to make rather than just like throwing it in people's faces. So I think that overall, you know, um, this would have been extremely cringy, but it's not for me. It's not for me, right? It's not for us. But either way, the project is gone and um, the movie is a... Not going to happen, but it seems as if Beale is working on other movies. Apparently, he's working with somebody who thinks that the moon landing was faked and they're going to play the head of NASA in a different movie he's working on. I'm not sure if he's going to try to fund it himself or do something different, but either way, he's going to produce some gems for us. And look, it's sad that he got defrauded, but um, you win some, you lose some. Maybe you know something in the future will, will uh, work out for him. But either way, to have a relatively successful comic book series is an accomplishment in and of itself. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be able to make his uh, anti SJW propaganda piece at some point. It just won't be Rebels Run. So, yeah. The Oklahoma gubernatorial race is really fascinating because it is unusually competitive. And something just happened, a viral moment that I think is going to assist the Democrat here even further, Joy Hoffmeister. Now, she, during a debate, is going to drop a fact on Governor Kevin Stitt. And as you're going to see, He's gonna be completely incredulous and refuse to believe it, but as you're going to see when we come back here, what she's saying is completely factual. Let's watch.
3: So let's talk about the facts. The fact is the rates of violent crime are higher in Oklahoma under your watch than in New York and California. That's a fact. (laughs)
13: Well, we'll have that fact
4: checked by the Frontier (laughs) Superintendent.
3: It's also a fact that medical marijuana.
4: Do you believe we have higher crime than New York or California? That's what she just said.
3: Safety and security is my top priority and it will be as governor.
0: The look on his face there was sheer panic because he didn't know how to respond. He just had to say, that's not true. Do you believe that? well i mean whether or not people believe it that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not true and unfortunately for him It is true. What she said was absolutely factual. As Yahoo News reports, John Roman, a senior fellow at NORC at the University of Chicago, told Yahoo News that Hoffmeister's numbers were accurate. Citing FBI data, Roman said that Oklahoma is 12th in violence per 100,000 residents and 7th in property crime per 100,000 residents. California is similar but lower for each, and New York is much safer and below the national averages in both property and violence. Overall, putting violent crime rates and property rates together, Oklahoma is on the list of the top 10 highest crime rate states. Roman noted that the national incident-based reporting system now being used by the FBI is new and that California and New York only provided estimates for 2021, which were factored in the data. However, Roman added that the old system prior to 2021 shows the same general trend in recent years. California and Oklahoma are similar, with Oklahoma a little higher on property crimes, and New York much lower on both. Now, that last paragraph there is important because that is the basis for Stitt's team to reject this data, saying, oh, well, you know, these are just estimates and the data's incomplete. Yeah, but the trend was the same before 2021, so you still are wrong. So you've got to take the L, but they won't take the L. And that's because this makes Kevin Stitt look very bad. So if you look at some of his campaign ads, and we're not going to get to them, but overall, his campaign ads are Oklahoma was in a really bad place. Then I became the governor and everything is so much better. We no longer have this budget crisis. I increased the pay of cops and teachers, which is something that he brags about, which is pretty uh, surprising for a Republican. And so he wants to make it seem as if everything is copacetic in the state right now. So this doesn't bode well for that narrative. Now, in the event Hoffmeister were the incumbent and Stitt was the challenger here, would he be bringing up this statistic? Absolutely. He'd be running as this tough on crime Republican because this is what they do. The problem is that whether or not they promote a tough on crime message is going to hinge on their position and whether or not it politically benefits them, regardless of the actual data within their state. Right now, in that video, it seems like Hoffmeister was more tough on crime than Stitt, but she doesn't really have a platform that leads me to believe that she is going to be one of these tough on crime sort of centrist Democrats. But if you go to Stitt's page, what's really interesting is that he isn't running on being tough on crime. Rather, He's claiming that he is smart on crime. He actually brags about commuting the sentences of nonviolent drug offenders and increased funding for treatment to decrease the recidivism rate for low-level drug offenders too. And he's done other things with regard to criminal justice reform that are objectively good that I think that he should brag about. But if you were to flip this, if a Democrat listed those things on their platform, saying that they're smart on crime rather than being tough on crime and they're commuting the sentences of low level drug offenses, then we all know what the narrative would be. You want to let criminals out, yada, yada, yada. But because it's a Republican here, even if crime rates are high, well, that's not the narrative. So Republicans will only run as being tough on crime and fearmonger about the crime rate if they can Get some political points for it. And they do that because, like it or not, it is a smart strategy because it works. Hysteria and fear mongering over crime uh, has been a consistent galvanizer for independents in particular, but especially Republicans. And even, you know, it, it helps win over some normie Democrats, more suburban Democratic voters. So that's why they do it. But just understand that if a Republican is talking about being tough on crime, you know, you should really look at the data. Because odds are they're not telling you the full story, right? They're showing you some anecdotes, but that doesn't necessarily represent the macro of what's happening in that said state. Now, I don't want to give you this picture that Stitt is some sort of a moderate because he is by no means a moderate, despite bragging about teacher pay and some criminal justice reform. This individual is a far-right extremist. In fact, he signed one of the most harshest, if not the harshest, abortion bans into law, with absolutely no exceptions for rape or incest. But there are apparently exceptions for the life of the mother. Or if a fetus is not viable, then they can apparently remove that via abortion, although There's a lot of legal gray area there, and as we've seen with other states, that doesn't necessarily make doctors feel any safer about doing the procedure needed to, you know, evacuate a fetus if it's not viable, because they don't want to be prosecuted. Um, Either way, this is a really fascinating race, because it's competitive, as I mentioned at the start of this video, and if you look at public opinion polls on average, they are neck and neck. So, Stitt is leading by an average of just one point, and Hoffmeister is leading according to some polls, but on average, they are statistically tied, and this could go either way in the state of Oklahoma. So, really fascinating dynamic here. Oklahoma wasn't necessarily a state that I thought would be interesting to watch, but either way here, what's unfolding is unusual, and it just goes to show you that when it comes to these tough-on-crime Republicans, they're only going to trot out that message if it is politically beneficial. But if their state that they're in control of is particularly high when it comes to crime, they're not going to bring that up. They're just going to talk about different issues. So, you kind of know when they're going to use this if it works for them and in this instance it doesn't work for kevin Stid. in fact it'd be horrible for him to bring up the crime rates in the state of oklahoma because he's the one in charge right but if he were the challenger again he would absolutely be putting that front and center so either way pretty interesting republicans are fake who knew want more visit humanistreport.com for links to our full catalog of videos
1: on youtube Means TV and Facebook. You can also find audio versions of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms. And before you go, consider supporting the show on Patreon or through YouTube memberships. You get early access to most videos, invites to monthly live chats with Mike, and you'll be thanked by name at the start of the next episode. There are other ways to support the show. You can like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share our content on social media. Thank you for watching.